have your Bibles. We're going to study God's Word. Wow, 707, 23 minutes I've got. Have mercy. Slap me. It can't be somebody fooled with that clock back there, didn't they? Does it seem like we just went 37 minutes to you? You know, that's when you know you tipped over into the kingdom because you, 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 you spill into the eternal realm and time stands still. And every, you know, I've been in some services that seem, though, like eternity. But sometimes eternity does splash over and it seems like, where did the time go? All right, we're going to do this quick. You'll listen fast, right? I've always felt like a part of my personal calling, for whatever reason, has been uh, to be an apologist for Pentecostal or charismatic doctrine. Now, that's not to be an apologist for charismatic or Pentecostal people. Um, Because some some of them are beyond my ability to give an apology for. Um, But through the years, I've just, I grew up in a a denomination that was probably antagonistic towards the things of the Spirit. And it just used to sort of rub me the wrong way when people would just say things about things, especially in in the Spirit-filled world, that they, they didn't get. They were talking about things they just, they didn't get. There's nothing worse than listening to someone be an expert on something they're clueless on. And, and so for whatever reason, I've always felt like uh, that was just a part of my calling. Um, usually the ones that needed to hear it weren't there to hear it, as is probably the case tonight. You all are certainly uh, embracers, if that's a word, of the things of the Spirit. But it's good to at least have a little instruction as to why uh, we may believe certain things like we do, because there may be friends or relatives or neighbors or family members that oftentimes will challenge you, and, and you ought to have a response. You know, things we do are indeed biblical. And whenever it comes to speaking or preaching on faith, uh, this is one of those areas, because you always hear people make fun of it by saying, oh, you're that blab it and grab it, you're that name it and claim it bunch. And, you know, I understand that there's people running around in the name of faith doing stupid things. They're, they're, they're laying hands on their RVs and their, their Mercedes and their beach homes. And, you know, I, I, I understand. And you know what? That, that makes me as uneasy as it would anyone else. The problem, the problem is just because you see abuse of something doesn't mean that, that you disuse it. You know, abuse... And misuse doesn't equal disuse. Is that right? Did I say that right? Abuse and misuse doesn't equal disuse. Oh, well, you know what I mean. Because if that be the case, I can find people that have abused a lot of things. And, and if that were the case, none of us would be here. Uh, but, so we know that's not true. But, but I, want, I want to just say faith. Faith is such a critical place. I'm not talking about saving faith. I'm talking about walking in faith. You know, Paul said with regards to our armament that, that with all the different items of our armament, one of them is the shield of what? Shield of faith. Now, I want you to think about this. If you don't, if you don't get faith, you're defenseless. Literally. You cannot extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy if you don't get faith. Faith to me is, is very important. 
And what's linked to faith, and I mentioned it on the screen, and, and I've only got just a few minutes, so we'll just do a quick review, is the law of confession. And the reason I use the term law is because I, I literally believe it is a law. It is, it is an immutable spiritual truth that you cannot avoid, negate, or get around. That God has determined that spiritual things will be loosed or activated in your life via or through your tongue or your confession. If you want to understand how you get spiritual things to yourself, you've got to understand that it's all about the mouth. It's all about the mouth. God spoke things into existence, and we were created in His image and, and partakers of His nature. And, and He created us as spiritual beings. And, and spiritual things are pulled out of the heavenlies. They're pulled out of the kingdom. They're pulled from another realm. Healing is pulled from another realm. Deliverance is pulled from another realm. Resources are pulled from another realm. Power is pulled from another realm. How, how is it brought to me? Through my confession, through my speaking. If we don't get this right, Matt, I'm all over the place again. Bless Matt's heart on Wednesday night. He sits back there faithfully and dutifully, and I don't pay a lick of attention to my notes, and he tries to follow me. But you've got to get your confession right. Confession. I'm just going to give you a simple illustration. In fact, it comes out of Romans 10. Let me read this to you. Romans 10, beginning with verse 6, it says, But the righteousness of faith speaks. The righteousness of faith speaks. Now, now we could stop there. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above. Next verse. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. Let's go to verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. Where is it? In your, in your where? And in your heart. Now, you, of course, it, we, we all believe that it should be in your heart. I don't think anybody would, would contend with that, that, that things need to be in your heart. That's where, that's where faith arises from, is the heart. But, but you got to hear what the Scripture says. The Word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. Okay? So, from the moment you were saved, you began to use this principle or this precept. Whatever the circumstances of your salvation, this is how it happened. Or at least this is the biblical way as to how it happened. You confessed with your mouth what? Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So here, that's a perfect example. You believed here, but you confessed here. It wasn't just believing here. I mean, there are a lot of people who say they believe. And I, I'm not challenging the fact they, well, James said the devils believe. But the key isn't just believing, it's letting the word of faith come from your lips. Now, I just want to ask you, just by way of, of well, it's not taking a vote, but just sort of like a poll. How many people here have seen or heard of people corrupting or abusing the principle of confession? How many of you probably have known somebody to do that? They, just, they got a hold of this and then they just lost their mind. You know, they, they probably abused it. Listen, 
Don't let that one person you met drive you away from a legitimate spiritual practice. People abuse grace. People abuse Bible verses. People abuse prayer. Yet we keep practicing these things. Okay? So don't let, don't let an abuser keep you from finding reality. In fact, confession, if we go to the next slide, confession basically means to say the same thing, to agree with, or to admit. So to make a positive confession means this. You agree with what God has said about you. Now, isn't that, we, we ought to agree with God, right? Don't disagree with God. That's like 101. Agree with the guy who's in charge. So we agree with what God has said about you and about his promises. Then we need to speak what the Lord has said. In other words, we say the same thing that God has said. And then we admit that his word is true. If you can get this in your system, you'll begin to possess his promises just like you possessed salvation. Is salvation a promise to people? Yes, I I didn't want you to fail that one. Salvation is a promise to people. How do I get this promise? I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth. I access a promise. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, I believe, verse 21, he said that all the promises of God are yes and amen in him. But how do I get all these promises in him in my life? You've got to do it the same way you got the salvation promise. You have to believe that it's for you because God is no respecter of persons. So that means if he do it for one, he do it for another. And, and if that be true, then I can look at his promise. And I, as I see that promise, I can say, that's for me. So, Lord, I, I say that, that your promise is true. I agree with you. I admit it's for me. And in the name of Jesus, I just lose my faith and I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Now, now if it doesn't arrive in just a moment, and, and maybe we'll get a chance to mention that in the, these last moments, is that you've got to keep your confession straight. It's not, it's not just, it's not just this, God's this genie in a lamp that you say it once and he's got to just hop to you. Listen, most of us have been confessing such crud for decades. It's just like the guy who determines one week he's ready to start tithing and, and he starts tithing and he doesn't see anything happen or, you know, and then he wonders what's wrong. Well, you, you've spent 40, 50 years under a curse and then you, you, one week you decide to do it right and, and it just doesn't always work that way. Sometimes, sometimes things, things take a little fervency and tenacity and practice. And, and so uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty one. can you throw that up there it says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit in other words when you when you understand what this mouth is capable of spiritually that you can you can speak those things which literally curse and kill is it not true is this not true that all of us have somebody at some time in our life enter into our life and they begin to talk to us and it depletes us is that not true doesn't everybody got at least one of those I mean, you know when they call you on the phone or when they show up at your door that as soon as you start in a conversation, this is going to wear you out. It's going it, it, it's to it's kill something in you. 
You know people like that. You don't tell them. You don't tell them your plans. You don't tell them what God said to you. You don't tell them your promises because the minute you were to tell them that, it's like they're the bucket brigade. The minute it comes out of your mouth, they'll be going with everything to tell you why it can't and why it shouldn't and God doesn't do that anymore and you're just being foolish and dear to dear to dear to dear. And you know what? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And sure enough, for some people, they'll kill it in you. Their words kill what's inside of you. But conversely, it's true as well. That you get in an atmosphere where people speak hope and they speak life and they speak optimism and they speak possibility and they begin to speak these things. Something can begin to ignite and light up in you. And so when it comes, you know, I can't go through all these. Hey, if you have relational challenges in your marriage, in your family, Start speaking life over those things. Speak life over your finances. Speak life over, you know, needing a healing in your body. Speak life if there's needing uh, deliverance. Death and life. And I believe it's put in that order, death and life, because most people speak death first before they ever get to life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, golly, in 10 minutes... I'm going to try to go through seven things. If I don't get through all these seven, then we just won't get through it. But but there's a couple things here. I'm going to give you seven reasons why your confession works. I've already mentioned this before. Number one, because this is the way you activate the power of the kingdom. The Bible says that the things of the kingdom come to those who are as a child. I didn't say you were childish. I just said that, that Jesus said that if you would have the faith like a child, he said, if you could just, if you could function in the simple trust of a child, the kingdom can begin to operate in your life. I don't know about you, but, but when my children were growing up, you know, kids are interesting because when they start, when they start getting old enough to analyze things, they start asking questions. And I don't know if your kids, if you can think to your kids and maybe some of you have little kids, they ask sometimes some really Stupid questions. I mean, it just, Dad, Dad, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Why don't dogs have little kittens when they give birth? They're a dog. I mean, I don't know. What do you say to that? Just, Dad, Dad, Dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why doesn't the sun burn out? I don't know, son. They learned that in junior high, I guess. I don't know. And then sometimes, you know, and when you bring, you know, even, you know, correction and other things to them and you're, and you're giving them direction and guidance and correction and all that. And they start asking questions and they'll, and they'll go through this whole, why, why, why? Because they, you know, in their world, they, can, they aren't processing all the experience you've got and all the knowledge you've got. So they're just going, why, 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 why? And, and, and every parent does it. We, we, we vow even that we will never do this, but we do it. We, we eventually say, because I said so. I said so. I am dad. I said so. And, and now listen to me. I can go through all, I can go through theology. I can go through the Bible. I can, I can help you through your reasoning. I can go through all of this stuff. And I'll still have people come up to me and they'll go, I don't this confession stuff. I'm going to just speak a prophetic word to you about confession. God said so. It's just because he said so. If you can get that precept, you'll go far in the kingdom. 
just because God said so. Now, there are probably good reasons besides that. But if you can just start there, you're, you're off and running. Amen? It's how you activate power of the kingdom. What do I think you ought to do with this? Well, you are God. That's what God said. Number two, it's because of what causes faith to come. Romans 10, 17, post that. This is a great verse, Romans 10, 17. Can we post that? Uh-oh, there it is. So then faith comes by how? I'm going to stop right there. Faith comes by hearing. Now listen, faith didn't come by having heard. It says faith comes by hearing. It's not in a past tense, is it? It's in a continual tense. Faith cometh by hearing. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show you. That's a Greek tense, and it's really interesting because this is how you could really translate it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And just put as many hearings you want on the end of that. That's what literally that passage means. Faith comes by continually hearing you're you're going to have to be tenacious in your confession because truth is you're here tonight i'm 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 teaching god's word to you and so it's helping you and faith is rising because you're listening you're hearing god's word well what happens tomorrow when you don't have your cd your tape you can't get on christian television or radio how do you keep hearing you speak you keep speaking you keep speaking you keep saying it over and over and over and over. You said, I've said it a hundred times. Say it a hundred and one times. Keep it, keep it out there. It's how faith comes. Number three, it renews your mind to the word of God. When you're doing that, I'm just going to touch this closely. Do what? Two, because it's what causes faith to come. Go back. It's what causes faith to come. Romans 10, 17. I didn't do that. All right. Then number three. Sorry, maybe I said it wrong because it renews your mind to the word of God. As you're speaking it, what happens is you're renewing your mind. People ask, how do I renew my mind? Well, a lot of times if you just start saying things over and over, read things out loud and you begin to renew your mind. You read what God has said. You agree with it. You keep speaking it. It's renewing your mind. Number four. Got to keep rolling because it keeps the answer before you. Your confession is what you keep before you. If you're making confession concerning the promises of God, it's keeping what God has promised before you. You cannot let your promise or, or excuse me, you cannot let your problem uh, consume you. You've got to get to the place where, yes, you acknowledge you have a problem, but now you've got to keep God's promise uh, before you mark eleven twenty four reads like this therefore i say to you whatever things you ask when you pray believe that you receive them it says and you will have them whatever things you ask when you pray now I, i'm going to i'm going to tell you something right now that verse can either bless you or it can harm you <laughs> because sometimes people destroy their faith by praying you heard me right. Because they rehearsed the problem over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And they talk about the problem all the time, over and over. Now, again, there are moments you need to share and there are moments you probably do need to talk that this is the problem. This is what's out there. I, I'm not telling you just to be quiet totally. There are appropriate places to say, hey, we've got an issue here. 
But the problem is, is that when that's the only thing that's being rehearsed and nursed in your life, you got to begin to keep the answer before you because that passage, go back there, uh, Matt, if you would please, in Mark eleven twenty four, it says that whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and what? You will have it. You will have it. That's a powerful thing. Number five, it changes your heart. If you'll speak God's word, it'll change your heart. Proverbs four twenty, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Next verse. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Next verse. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Positive confession helps keep your heart right. When you speak those words continually, it it guards your heart. It keeps your heart. Uh, Number six. Your confession sets the law of faith in motion. Um, you know, the disciples, the disciples on one occasion had to ask Jesus, they said, Lord, increase our faith, increase our faith. I dwelled on that for a while, what it meant to increase our faith. And what that says to me is that in our life, this is what I believe. I believe that, that miracles, especially miracles that are wrought because we're believing God or exercising faith. I believe that probably we ought to start if, if we're going to enter into this life of faith, then we probably ought to start with things that we can begin with. Uh, you know, uh, you know when, you're, when you're instantly facing a life and death situation, what's hard about most life and death situations is that's the first time anybody ever tries to use their faith is in this life and death situation. And I'm telling you, there isn't anything greater that you'll need faith for than a life and death situation. But if that's the first time you ever try exercising your faith, I'm going to share this with you. It's kind of like entering a marathon and you've never gotten out of the easy chair. You can't do it. I mean, you'll run a block or two and then you'll pass out because you've not conditioned your body to do the marathon. And now you're in a life and death situation and you're wanting to exercise your faith, but you've not, you, 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 you haven't. You haven't exercised your inner man. You haven't believed God. If, if, I mean, we got people, they can't believe for simple things. They can't believe God for just enough resource in order to get by. So they struggle. They struggle in their obedience. And again, I'm not just harping on finances and giving, but finances is a big area of our life. If you can't, if you can't believe God in the beginning stages, when he starts asking you for bigger things or you're found, you find yourself in this big thing, you're not going to be prepared for it. I honestly believe even in the history of legacy, the reason he made us believe him for just, you know, $75,000 in those early days, which seemed insurmountable to me in some ways. And he allowed us together to believe him to see about $85,000 come in was because we were going to need that faith activity and exercise under our belt. Because what happens if we're going to have to believe God for $750,000? Well, we know a little bit about what it takes because we got a faith victory over here. And again, I'm not saying, you know, you got to choose these things on your own. You don't do what I tell you. You better do what God tells you. But I tell you, I press, hey, if I'm going to believe God, God forbid, God forbid, and I break this and don't believe it'll happen, but God forbid I would catch some disease or debilitating terminal illness in my life. But you know what? If I, if I ever do, I want a few healing faith moments under my belt before I get to the big daddy over here. 
Come on now. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully. You know, there may be a time, you know, for instance, I, you know, personally, I don't get a flu shot. I'm not telling you not to do that. Okay, listen, don't, don't you, if you don't have the faith to do this, do not do what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying, I reached the place and I told my wife, I said, you know what? If I can't start beating flus, then, then if I'm facing some things down the road, I, I just feel like I need to press through this. Now, you all know what happened. I got sick as a dog. But, I, but, the, but I'm going to believe God to press through that. Like I said, God forbid I'd ever have to face anything terminal. I'm keeping my confession straight. I'm believing that will never come across my path. But I'm telling you, we need to design our lives in such a way that we're getting those smaller faith victories so our faith can be increased so when the big thing comes along, we can take it. That's why David, I'll go back, that's why David fought a lion and then he got a bear and then he got a Goliath. Amen. Come on, what's your lion? Come on, you've got to identify your lion, identify your bear, because one of these days your destiny is going to hinge on whether or not you can take Goliath. Amen. Have mercy. It's 732. And lastly, I'll give you number seven. We're so close. You'll give me two, three minutes, right? Because, I'll tell you why confession is so important, because it puts angels to work for you. There are few people that teach this, but I teach this out of Psalm 103:19. Post that, will you please? It says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Next verse. Bless the Lord. This is what the psalmist says. Listen, he's talking. The psalmist is talking. Bless the Lord, you his what? So who's, who's he talking to? Now think about this for just a second. He says, bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, Heeding, isn't that a cool? Heeding the voice of his word. Isn't that an amazing verse? What's the next verse say? Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. I'll leave it to this. Angels do what they hear. Hebrews 1. I believe it's 14 says that the inheritors of salvation, which are you and I, have been given ministering servants. This is so cool, Andrea. Do you know right now, Andrea? You, you got angels. At least two of them. I know that from here. At least two. How do you do? How do you do? You do. Jeremy, you got angels. Lord wants me to tell you that you've been keeping your angels busy. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking with you. Just joking with you. If you ever want to know how angels operate, this is how they operate. They operate when they hear. Now remember, angels aren't God, right? So angels don't know your heart because they're not God. The only person that could know your heart is God because they're not God. So they're not going to know your heart. They're going to know anything. They're clueless unless they hear. And so they're listening in when you pray. They're listening in as you're doing life. They're listening in. And, and the scripture, go back to that verse 20, Matt, 103, 20. It, it, it's such a great verse. It says, bless the Lord, you, his angels who excel in strength, 
Now, you just can't get an angel to do anything for you, but it says, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. So when you get God's word in your mouth and you begin to confess and agree with what God has said about you and you begin to speak that out loud, angels, angels are all around and angels suddenly, it's like your dog at home, like Pugin, when he hears, you know, Pugin doesn't know like a lot of words, but he like, he knows, he knows leash. He knows pee pee. He knows cheese. There's certain words he knows. And you say that word and he can be in a dead sleep. And that dog will go. And that ears, the ears. Because he heard the word. Angels are sleeping most of the time because they don't hear the word. But the minute they hear God's word being spoken. Well, they aren't doing that. They're doing this. And they're on their tiptoes, ready to do his word. That's a pretty awesome picture, isn't it? That ought to change your vocabulary this week. Amen. I tell people there's, only, there's really only two ways you can bind angels. The Bible tells us one of the ways is that you refuse to function under authority because 1 Corinthians 11 says... That, that, that when we don't function under authority, or, or, or excuse me, it says that when we do function under authority, we do it on account of the angels, Paul says. Because they're never going to enter into a rebellion with you. You can't, hey, they saw what happens in a rebellion already. They aren't going to enter into a rebellion with you. The second way is, is when we they do not hear God's word being spoken. You bound them. They're not, they're not, not going to move according to your whim. They'll move according to his word. When, he he, when they hear his word, they're about it. Thousands of angels ready to help us if they just hear his word. I'll end with this and I'm done. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 6, when he gets the vision of the Lord, the thing that comes out of his mouth is this. He says, he says, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And at that moment, an angel, isn't that cool? An angel grabbed a coal off the altars of heaven, pressed it upon his mouth, purging, purged his lips. And all of a sudden, at that moment, his ears were open that he could eavesdrop on the Godhead as they had a little committee meeting up there. And they looked, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost looked at each other and they said, who shall go for us? He, he got to eavesdrop on that conversation. And now that his lips are cleansed, and now that he's heard the word of the Lord, he's able to say, here I am. You can send me. Every now and then, I need a coal off that altar. How about you? Every now and then, I bet you do too, need a coal off that altar. Purging, purging your lips.
Let him do that. Man, if we can get that right, it, we would be amazed at what God would begin to do. Stand with me. Thank you for being patient with me tonight.